Well, as Pastor Al has been going through the book of First Peter, it just made sense for me to continue to go through First Peter. And as we begin our service, I th- our begin the sermon, I thought we'd just read our, the passage together. So I'd ask that you stand with me, and we're going to read out First uh, Peter chapter three, verses seven to sorry, verses eight to twelve. So if you stand to sum up. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lip from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Thank you. You may be seated. This past year, I had the opportunity to coach junior high football. Not football, basketball. <laughs> Bethany wishes it was football, right? Uh, <laughs> I have to think about football a little bit too much, I guess. But junior high basketball. And you know what? It was a lot of fun. Um, There's a girls team here at Introshu, and it was a, a learning year for us. We all learned together. But you get, I was, you know, you're seeing the, the players grow in their skill and their abilities. It's, it's really exciting to watch them grow like that. But you know what? There's times that was really discouraging. The most discouraging times were when I would teach a player skills and they would go right back to the way that they were playing before because that's the way they thought it should be done. They continued to make the same mistakes because they weren't willing to listen. As a coach, I strongly feel that games are not always won by the score. A lot of people think, well, you you know, you lost forty-two to ten, or, or something like that, and that's a horrible, horrible way to to play. But my my greatest desire is to see these the players learn to play the game of basketball, and a win is when they are playing with those the skills that they were taught. It may not always be resulted in the score, but they're the way they play has changed. It's they is reflects in the way they were. They're playing the way they were taught during practice. Today, I want to share with you a sermon that I've titled, A Blessed Life. To many, a blessed life would be, you know, having a life that, where things are going the way you want them to. Where you, that might include wealth, a good job, great family, no struggles, no conflict. But I feel that the idea of a blessed life is, this idea of a blessed life is far too small. A blessed life is faithfully following Jesus. Through the ups and the downs of whatever life throws at you. Is actively walking with God and seeking what he, would, what he has called you to. 
That's the real win in life. When no matter what we're hit with, that we would still follow Jesus. I believe that 1 Peter 3, 8-12 gives us a pathway to a blessed life. So the first point I'd like to share within this passage is, is for you are called. Verses uh, 8 and 9 say, To sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but you were, but give a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. In the past weeks, Pastor Al has been pre- teaching us about living for Jesus in the face of whatever life hits us with. To honor those in authority, even when we don't necessarily agree with them, endure suffering, and we've learned about submission. We've seen that life pulls punches that uh, make us want to give up and go our own way, go on the way that we think might fit us, fit best for us. But Peter now wants us to give us a basic review of the principles he's shared for godly living in the midst of suffering. He's, it's like, okay, to sum it up, like this is, I've just taught you all of this, but in summary, these are the basic things you need to know to face those things that we just went over. But before we go through these principles, there's something I want you to, to know and think about. This is not another thing to work at. And when we go to a place of work, we are given things that we need to, it's like, I need you to get this done, this done, this done, and this done. And I don't believe that's how God works. These things I, I'm sharing, going to share with you today, they're not meant to be a burden or a hard thing, but rather food for the soul. So as I share, please keep in mind that it's what a life looks like when we let the Holy Spirit transform us. Daily, we need to be asking him to change us. Not just be complacent in where we are at, but asking him to actually move in our hearts that we wouldn't be the same that we were the day before and that we would look a little more like Jesus each day. That wouldn't be us working, but rather him at work in us. We fall so short on our own. Rather than an outward pressure, because that's legalism, trying to do things on the outwards and going pressing them in, that's going to be so much of a legalism. But we want it pushing from the inside out that the Holy Spirit would be in our lives just pushing those things, changing us, transforming us. So as we walk in the Spirit, Peter reminds us to be harmonious. This is the idea of thinking the same, to be like-minded. Now you're like, oh, I don't want to be like, I don't want to think like them. I don't want to think like them either. I, I want to be me. And God created you uniquely, and He does want you to be you. But there are things that you, we can think the same on. Paul calls us to have the same mind as Christ in Philippians two five. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
What was his attitude? He's willing to give up his life. We want to be unified on the things that matter. So we don't have to all like the same, we don't all have to like the Edmonton Oilers, even though that's a team you should like. But, um, <laughs> but, how do I go on from there? Um, but the things that matter, like the, the things of God, the, that salvation and the love of Jesus and the purpose of our church is to uh, share the gospel, that those are things that we can be unified on and agree on and just build, be built up on. And then he says, then sympathetic. Sympathetic means to feel another's pain. We, li- we have compassion for others in hardship. Rather, this, in comparison to mocking others, the pain that others have, or say, oh, well, they deserve it because of the way they acted, or they, you know, they got themselves into this. Couldn't we just have some compassion on them instead? When is when is the last sorry when is the last time you asked God to help you be more sympathetic? Brotherly, or another translation says, love one another. This should be really obvious, as we're told throughout the New Testament to love one another, both believer and unbeliever, but especially to love fellow believers. That that shows that we're disciples of Christ. John chapter 13. Thirty-four and thirty-five says, it "says a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. That you all, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Are there Christians who you don't care for?" And you've made up their, your mind about them. Just, I'll never be friends with them just because that's, you know, they're not my type to be friends with. Fellow believers who you don't see eye to eye on. For the cause of Christ. For the cause of Christ that others would see Jesus, who, what Jesus is about. Would you ask the Holy Spirit that you would have love for the, your fellow believer. And again, you guys don't have to be best friends, but you would get along that you could love them. Kind-hearted. Kind-hearted. This can also be translated compassionate. Jesus was said to be moved with compassion. He got into people's worlds, down at their level. He got dirty with them. Almighty God got into people's lives and met them where they're at. He really knew where they were at because he was with them all the time. He didn't look at them from afar and saying, oh yeah, they might have this need or that need. But he was in their lives and knew what they needed you can't just sit back and watch. Compassion rolls up his sleeves and helps. 
That's what this passage is calling us to. And compassion is a very Christian virtue. Before Jesus came, the world was a very dark and cruel place. The followers of Christ, as they went out and spread the message of Jesus, shared compassion wherever they went. Peter's calling us to share compassion, be kind-hearted to those we encounter, that we might be different, we might show a difference no matter what we face. Humble in spirit. That's putting aside the need to always be right. Or seen as first, I want everyone to see me. Yeah, I, can't, they, I want them to see me. Everyone doesn't need to see me. It's not... It's, thinking of our, it's not wanting to think of ourselves as the most important person. But listen to me clearly. It's not thinking about as ourself as less because we don't want to put ourselves down. That's not what God's called us to. But it's just thinking about ourselves less often. Taking your eyes off, our, off your situation long enough to see the needs of others around you. Philippians 2 Three and four says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. God, would you give me the eyes to see the needs of others around me and help me to see others as equal to me? Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. <laughs> That's completely contrary to our world today. And, you know, what's funny is when I started, when I had kids, I just discovered that's a thing that's, you gotta, you gotta return your evil for evil when you're a, a kid, right? You, oh, Tommy punched me. I gotta punch him back harder. Oh, well, they did this. I'm gonna say this to them. You know, the ways of the world infect the church so much, and Christians so much. And it's sad that uh, many Christians would see no problem with returning evil for evil or insult for insult. They hit you, you hit them harder. They called you a name, you insult them worse. You need to get even. The thing is, it's not a race, and no one's counting. No one's keeping track of it. When the Holy Spirit gives us a humble spirit, a humble spirit, we are able to look past the wrongs done to us. Then we can return a blessing. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. 
do not overcome don't do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good Paul calls calls us to not take our own vengeance and give back good when evil is hurled at us they won't know what hit them it's such a foreign concept to think about you know someone's being evil or mean towards us and we just choose to give blessing to them. I can't I can say it's only done by God's power because we can't do that in our own strength. And then all of these these attitudes, these actions are because Christ says you've been called by Christ. You've been called. And being called by Jesus you will inherit a blessing. And with that blessing, we are blessed to be a blessing. Second, uh, I'd like to just look at quickly is the desired life. And that's found in, in verses uh, 10 to 12. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter here quotes Psalm 34 to 34 verses 12 to 16. And there's three things here. Uh, those who desire life to love and see good days. This is a blessed life. These things cannot be taken away. But there are conditions again with, the, with this life. There are three conditions we see. First, it says, keep your tongue from evil and lips from speaking deceit. Watch what you say. Think before you speak. Maybe your parents had told you that when you were a kid. Think before you speak. I often, I, I think often that we are mean because we do not quite realize what we've said. James one nineteen says, This you, you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone who must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak. That does as well to hear that. To really think about what we're saying before we say it. And it says, and also says, don't lie. And you know, when we start lying and people know that we, we lie, who can trust us then? And how do we represent Christ if we're known as a liar? I think we underestimate the power of our words. James 3, verses 5 and 9. 
So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. That's a pretty big thing. We bless God in one sentence, and then we curse people, and we complain about people in the other sentence. These people have been made in his likeness. These are people that he loves. The second condition here is turn away from evil and do good. I'm reminded by James 4.17, which says, Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. There's so much evil in the world, and we can just choose to flow right along with it, or we can choose to stand up and do the right thing. It's easy to give in to temptation, but I want to encourage you to choose the right thing, even when it's tough. Choosing good over evil is one choice at a time, and it's a journey of those choices over and over again. Psalm 1, one tells us how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer. Walk, stand, sit. Never get comfortable with those who are doing wrong. It's a progression there. Sometimes you're just walking with that and just you know, you're kind of walking along, you keep on going. When you stand, you're just getting a little more comfortable. You're not, you're not moving away from it. And sit, you're just joining in with them. Don't let yourself be comfortable with those doing wrong. And the third condition is seek peace and pursue it. Hebrews 12 Verse 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without, without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all men, even the ones we don't like, even the ones who are, who are evil with us or did give us insult. All men. Pursue peace. Don't look for disruption in your life and don't disrupt the peace of others. Jesus offers us peace, a peace that passes all understanding. What more could you want? This peace is part of a blessed life. That peace that we don't quite understand even when we're struggling to just make it through life, yet we have God's peace in our lives. I know I've felt that peace many times when it feels like everything's falling apart. And yet God holds us together. And Peter follows, follows up as to why you would want this desired life. He said, God's eyes are on the righteous. That's, that's the life he desires for us, to be live a righteous life. He has given us as believers, the Holy Spirit, who gives us gives us the power um, to truly live a life without sin, a righteous life. And righteous a righteous life is a 
right life between God, you and God, but it's a right life, a, a right life between you and your neighbor. And we know we're called to love our neighbors. And sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily get along with your neighbor, but God's going to give you that the strength and the power to to have that right relationship with them. And it says that his ears attend to their prayers. God listens to those who actively seek him out. When we think about it, if we're actively sinning and doing living life our own way, I can't really imagine the Lord listening to our prayers other than the one of repentance and us turning back to God, saying, God, I need help. We think of the um, prodigal son when he came back and his father came running to him because he was turning, he turned back to his father. And God longs for us. When we walk away from God, he longs to us. He never wants us to walk away. He longs to have that relationship. He would we'd be in right relationship with him. A blessed life is an uncommon life. A life of being called called by Christ and for Christ. It's a life that doesn't make quite make sense. The world around you will be asking questions. It can be seen in wealth or in poverty, in good times or in suffering. The life that's focused on Christ. And today, I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ or if you started to follow Jesus yet, but I want to encourage you to make that step of following Jesus. And if you're wandering from God and you're just sitting in the, today in the pew and you're like, I really need to take that step of getting right with him, then do that. Don't, don't let the day go by, the any more days go by. Maybe you just, I, God, I can't do this on my own. That's right, we can't do this on our own. Every day we need help, and the Holy Spirit would help us if we would only ask him to, to, that we say, God, I need your help with this. God, help me to love that person that I just can't seem to stand. God, help me in, the, this, in my workplace because it's filled with evil, and I want to be a light, and I don't want to be attached to the evil that's in my workplace. Let us live a blessed life, no matter what comes our way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And as Peter challenged us with these things, um, think about a life of submission to you, no matter what comes. God, I pray that we would continually be sensitive to your spirit, that you prompt us that we'd be willing to change by your power, by your strength. I pray that you'd continually help us to remember that it's not by our, our strength, but by yours. Not I, but Christ in me. So I just pray for my friends out here, that each day that you would just draw them closer to you, that you continually conform them to your image, Jesus. Just commit them to into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with the Lord today.